What does your subconscious mind have to do with how you run your business? Well, a lot more than you might expect. We have an extra special show today. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the Modern Digital Business Podcast, the technical leader's guide to modernizing your applications and digital business. Whether you're a business technology leader or a small business innovator, keeping up with the digital business revolution is a must. Here to help make it easier with actionable insights and recommendations, as well as thoughtful interviews with industry experts, Lee Acheson. My guest today is a great friend of mine. He's been a CEO, a CPO, a CTO, and founder of his own company that he successfully brought to an IPO. I've worked with him for many years, and we've recently co-authored a book that talks specifically about building a better business. He is one of my very best friends, Ken Garadovich. Ken, welcome to Modern Digital Business. Lee, thanks for uh, having me on. I'm really excited about our conversation and, and so excited about our book. I'm so excited about this book as well, too. This is So just to get everyone on the same page, Ken and I co-wrote a book. Uh, it's been in the works for oh, about 15, 18 months now, and it's been released just recently. I'm very proud to announce the arrival of my latest book, Ken, your first book, Business Breakthrough 3.0. Ken, how does it feel now to be a published author? Well, it's exciting. And I, I obviously, I couldn't have done it without you, Lee. So it was really exciting to work with somebody who's actually written books in the past and, and um, you know, put into play something that you and I have seen so many times is, you know, companies, you know, you know, companies are really only a collection of people and they have those entrenched patterns. And if you can really think through those patterns, you know, not only do you build a highly profitable, fast moving organization, but I know one of the key things you and I were both excited, that's a win for the company, but it's also a win for the employees because when you create that kind of dynamic organization, customers love the business and employees simply love their job. Ken, when you and I first started working on the book, we we focused a lot on what we call the subconscious mentality and and how organizations have a subconscious mentality. And, and when I think of, you know, the in our own subconscious minds, you know, the thing that comes to mind the most is when you see commercials for for restaurants showing you pictures of food that make you hungry and you're more likely to spend more money the more the hungry hungrier you the hungrier you are. I, I can actually say those words. I really can. But the idea is your subconscious is what's equating the sight of food with the actual um, increase in hunger. It's not a real increase in hunger. It's a perceived subconscious reaction to seeing the food. The same sort of mentality applies to businesses as well. You know, businesses have their own minds. Yeah, well, let's go back just to that part about us individually, because I've spent a lot of time like thinking about why I do the way th things I do, why employees, you know, um, what's really the motivator. And, and I'm a, a, you know, again, big believer aside from the business part is we all have kind of got this subconscious mind that's running us really based upon patterns that are millions of years old. You know, like we like to be, we feel safety in numbers. You know why? Because a long time ago, maybe a dinosaur might have eaten us if we if we weren't uh, safety in numbers. You think about training, like you've ever heard like NLP, where our mirror matching, where if somebody has the same posture as us, we feel more comfortable with that person. Well, you know, you think about businesses, businesses are really just a collection of people that believe in those same kind of patterns 
if you're not careful, could be running your business, could be poisoning your business, or could be really helping your business scale. And I think that was one of the things that we thought like, there's a there's something really here to uncover because it's really the patterns of success. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. It's it's breaking old patterns, creation of new patterns that make sense for your organization, and and uh, rebuilding your business essentially from from the ground up. So we we talked a lot about the importance of culture, and we both know that culture is critical to every organization. Can what what do you what do you think about that? Well, I always think about, you know, and, and Lee, you know, we've talked about this and worked with a lot of companies. A lot of companies, like if you walk in and you say, hey, culture is important. Everybody will say culture is important. You know, every consultant will say culture is important. Every company will say, yes, culture is important here. But what we talk about is really being purposeful in your culture, defining it and living it. Because again, a lot of times people have words but culture is really powerful because it, it encompasses not only your mission, your vision, your set of core values, but how you're living it. Like, for example, let's say that your your culture is um, no a-holes here, just throwing it out like raw, but you have a, a salesperson or you have a, a leader who's fantastic at their job, but treats everybody like dirt and leadership overlooks that. You're not living your culture and that's like a poison in the body, a poison in your company, you know, that just feeds in and slowly all of the people that showed up because of the culture disappear. And usually those are your best people. And Leah, you know, obviously we don't name companies and all that kind of stuff, especially if different experiences, but we've seen companies where they have a culture that attracts the best talent. Like people hear about it, they come, you know, the top talent, even if they're not getting top dollars, join the company. And then suddenly they don't announce that they've changed the culture, but they start to hire people that are not aligned to that culture and bad things happen. Yeah. The, uh, the, the mindset that we need to make money or we need to solve this business problem. And this person will solve this business problem. I know they've got these, these cultural issues. We'll just deal with those separately. In fact, the matter is you don't deal with them separately and you can't deal with those sorts of issues separately. They're part of your culture. And if you don't, stay aligned with your culture, your whole organization will fall apart. Yeah. And that's where I like in our book, you know, we really tried to have actionable ideas. Like we're talking about it here at the high level, you know, what is mission vision and, you know, how do you set about a core values? But we also talk about how do you actually activate that? How do you in, instill that in your organization? And we talk about even some of the metrics, you know, I forgot the, the exact metric, uh, but you know, if you think about employees that say they're engaged, the quality of work that they do versus somebody who feels they're just a cog in the wheel, they're just going through the motions and the efficiencies are night and day at all scales of organizations. We know that culture is important. Yeah, that's so truly. And, you know, just think about it from a stats. I know one of the things that, that really, you know, got us motivated is this is crazy. Literally two thirds of a U.S. employees are not actively engaged in work. That means that they're going to work and they're not bringing their whole self. Think about two thirds of the entire employee base in the United States, according to one survey, are not actively engaged. Not only is that a terrible way for them to spend the most important thing that they have 
on this planet is their personal time. That's a waste, but that's a waste of efficiency also for the company. So, you know, one of the things that I'm a big believer of doing culture and some of the things that we share in the book and doing it right is the impact it has not only to get to the employees, but the companies. And what we're seeing when people do it right and do some of the things we've talked about as much as a 30 to 40% uplift in the efficiency of the organization registered by multiple different frameworks. But just as importantly, I think to both of us is you see almost an incredible, almost the same amount of increase, sometimes 30, 40, 50, 60% of employees saying that they're actively engaged in their job. In other words, they enjoy what they're doing and they feel that they deliver value every day. So this is a huge win, the things we're talking about. That's why I'm so excited again to be on the podcast. And it's part of that that subconscious mindset that creates the organization, and 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 that's the data that makes this t- uh, a really a true statement. Now, and we're talking about measuring here now, and, and and the sorts of data that you can measure and should measure in order to show that you're making improvements in the organization. But what we're finding is that uh, companies often make one of three mistakes when they determine what data they want to measure. They either measure not enough data, they're, they're insufficient in, their, in determining what they're trying to measure within their organization, or they measure too much data. They're, they're gathering every little piece of data and then they can't get value out of that quantity of data that's available to them. Or they just measure the wrong things. They're, they're measuring something that is irrelevant to what the real core problem is. Ken, what, what's your thoughts on those three things? Well, I think we point this out in the book. There's a couple of things. I'm a big believer is at the end of the day, people always do what they're incentivized to do. So you got to be really careful as a leader, um, as a, you know, head of a company, what you measure. And, you know, they always say measure what matters, but I like to think about a different way. And I think we hit this out in the book. I know you and I are hundred percent aligned is outcomes over activity is what are the key outcomes and that goes you know kind of ties into some of the frameworks you know whether it be objective key results or different critical thinking frameworks but you need to measure the right thing you need to keep in mind be careful what you measure and display we also talk about showing it to employees like if you're measuring it at the executive level and no one sees the data mice will not do it it's not going to drive any behaviors what you want to do is measure outcomes So outcomes is what you drive, not activity. Because think about how many times, you know, we've seen, you know, a really big, you know, $400 million IT transformation. Everybody has a bunch of activity check markets, you know, on the projects on time, on plan, and then it fails on delivering the outcomes. I think about, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this in the book, you know, one, you know, Fortune 50 healthcare company that had done, a, in this case, a cloud transformation. They they failed and spent, I think, 50, $100 million the first time. They failed, did 50, $100 million. And, and, and both those times, they were measuring activity. We're going to go to the cloud, and then we're going to be more agile. We're going to, you know, our teams are going to be more engaged. We're going to be able to recruit better people. It wasn't until they really focused on why are we going to the cloud? It's really to drive that agility. What are the outcomes we're trying to drive with this activity, in this case, moving to the cloud? And so I'm a big believer, you know, whatever it is, focus the teams. And, you know, and again, I know we've got this in the book, focus on those outcomes over activity, 
and then make it visible to the employees, share it with everybody so they know how they're being measured, which is on outcomes. And teams can, can pivot. I know we talk about autonomy with constraints in the book, but if you've got your teams aligned with the outcome, then everybody's rowing in the same direction. They're in different parts of your organization, but they're no longer siloed. They're working together and you give them the autonomy because they can pivot on the strategy to get the outcome as long as they achieve that outcome. to become an architect? Or perhaps you are looking to learn how to drive your organization towards better utilization of the cloud. I have a whole series of cloud and architecture courses available on LinkedIn Learning. For more information on the courses I have available, please go to leeatchison.com courses or click the link in the show notes. Yeah, that, that fits in really well into something that I don't think we talk specifically about in the book, but I certainly talk a lot about, and that's the, what I call the valley of despair. Um, this is when you're doing going through a migration or a transformation project. Inevitably, as you go through that, prog- that project, the disadvantages of the migration show up before the advantages do. You, you have to put in effort, you put in work, you're... You're transforming your application so your application slows down before it speeds up. It gets more complex before it becomes simplified. All of these sorts of things happen, tend to happen with the negatives starting to appear in a large scale project before the positives do. And so you see a dip in your application and whatever you value within the the organization before you start seeing the ramp up at the end to the the real value you're looking for. And I call that the valley of despair, that, that, that low point. I see so many companies forget what they're striving for and why they entered this project in the first place when they're in this valley. All they're seeing is the negatives. All they're seeing is the problems. Should we have started this cloud migration? Things are more expensive now. Things are more complicated now. Our application slower. Why did we ever do this? Well, we did it because of these sets of objectives that we were trying to accomplish when we got to the cloud, but we're not there yet. But so many companies will actually stop right in the middle of that valley when things are worse than they were before and won't finish their project or won't finish the migration because they lost track of what they really valued in the migration and frankly, why they started doing it in the first place. It's they're measuring the wrong things. They're evaluating the wrong things. They're achieving, they're focusing on the wrong objectives. Leah, I think that's so important. That valley just reminds me going back to like, at the end of the day, you know, companies are just collection of people. And, you know, um, I don't know the right way to say it. I think it's, I always think about it's the Kubler-Ross change curve. But if you think about any type of transformation, when you're changing people, because people like, we don't like change, right? It's, it's uncomfortable. At first, it's that shock and denial, like, are, you know, why are we even doing this? And then it's kind of like, oh, disappointment, this isn't going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. And then once they start to see it, then it's that pivot. And then you've got that pivot up in acceleration. And it's funny that you said that, whether it be like a, an IT project or, you know, like I've run marketing teams or sales teams, you got to have the right strategy. And we talk a lot about in the book is like, what are the tactical strategies to succeed? So you have to have that, but you also have to communicate that 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 transformation you were just hitting is we've got a plan in human nature. We're all going to have doubts. 
but let's stay on the plan. Let's focus on the outcomes and then we'll get past this step and everybody will be excited. It's the same thing I go back to autonomy. When you first introduce outcomes over activity into an organization, at first it's like, wait, what? You're going to let me make decisions? You know, I'm going to be have autonomy? I, I don't know if I like that. I think I just like to do what somebody else said or, you know, what's the boss's plan or, oh, it's this new transformation leader. I guess we'll do what they say. And then they, they flip it on you and they say, no, no, no. I want you to drive these outcomes. And then suddenly you're sitting with it as a individual contributor, as a manager going through. Okay. Well, wait, wait, hold on. I'm responsible for those outcomes. So activity is no longer success. I don't know if I feel comfortable, but then you know, going back to human nature, once you feel like now you're in charge of your own destiny, it's you, you know what success is, outcomes, you've got alignment, you've been empowered to make the decisions. Then you start to get that excitement and happiness and you feel much, so much more fulfilled in your job. So it's so funny how, whether it's an IT project, whether it's a personal transformation, whether it's a turnaround in a business or turnaround in a team or a new leader, it seems like we always go through that same, you know, pattern of, you know, down. Okay. Is this really going to happen? And then assuming you've got the right plan up and to the right. It all goes to show that a business and a human being all have the same mentality model. They have a mentality, they have a personality, they have a culture that, um, that has to be understood and has to be appreciated in order to, to succeed. Yep. No, I, I absolutely agree. For, for my, like one of the other part, I think that goes with that, you know, what's the other structures? I think we've, we've hit on like company mission, vision, core values, critical thinking frameworks, um, what to measure. But I think the next part is really also as, as far as a company and enterprise. And again, you know, you and I have done Fortune 50 to, you know, startups, been all different sizes. Um, you got to make sure you have the organizational structure to drive successful actions, you know, love to spend a few minutes on that. Absolutely. That's the next of the, the five main distinct processes we talked about. I think that's actually number four, which is, uh, uh, organizational structures and how this, how your organization acts the way it's structured. And if you want to have your organization respond in a certain way, you want to organize it in a way that allows that response to occur. No, I totally agree. And, you know, one of the phrases, um, you know, a mentor of mine used to use when he was thinking about organizational design principles is I always like those simple phrases. Just think about this is you get what you design for. And, um, you know, I've seen so many times where let's say one team that reports up under this person and this leader and this other person reports under this leader and they're not in the same page and people lower in the organization have lots of friction. There's just a disconnect They're they're misaligned. Um, and people are like, why are, why are these team members misaligned? Well, they're doing exactly what the organization was designed to do. We had, if you have poor organizational design, or again, be, be very intentional about that. Like sometimes from an organizational design, you can create healthy tension, which I think in many cases is good for an organization. You've got some kind of checks and balances, but you can also through poor organizational design have unhealthy friction. And that's just where people get frustrated with each other. They're not on the same page. 
So it's really, really important to do that. And I know we go into some really detailed principles if people haven't heard of, you know, federated, um, you know, direct line reports, center of practice. We go through a lot of different people processes that you can set up from an organizational design so that you get the outcomes that you're driving for. Because we can have all the other things done right, but if you have poor organizational design, you're going to have poor results. You know, I think back to a rather small example, but I think a very pointed example, I think a lot of us might relate to. My very first project out of college, I was working for, working at Hewlett Packard and had a head of manager that we had, there's this two person project. Uh, there was a person who was writing the code and a person that was testing the code. And, and my first job was to test this code. And, and you know, I, I was a straight out of college, wanted to do well in my job. I wanted to know what are my requirements? What am I supposed to accomplish? My manager said, your job is to find as many bugs as you possibly can. So I set out to find as many bugs as I possibly can. And every time I found a bug, I said, I found another one, here's another one, you know, and I was so happy that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I was reporting to my manager saying, look at all these bugs I found, look at all, what, all these bugs I found, and everything was great. Till suddenly my coworker sat me down one day and said, why are you celebrating so much of the mistakes I'm making? And that's when I realized that no, that, that wasn't really what I should have been trying to do. That's what I was directed to do. That's what I was being rated on doing. That's what I was being you know graded on doing. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was that both of us was building something that was supposed to be high quality. So we sat down, we figured out what we really should be judging each other on, brought that back up to our manager who totally agreed and went with that. But it was just a simple example, but, I, but it's that same sort of problem shows up in larger organizations of different sizes, shapes, et cetera, is you get what you organize for, you get what you value within the organization. And that, and that may be good, that may be bad, but whatever it is that you're asking for is what you're going to get. And that may not fit in well with the rest of the organization. It may not be actually what you're looking for. You have to think more expansively about what you're trying to accomplish in order to get the right goals for the organization and if, rather than the individual goals. No, I, I think that's so spot on, Lee. And, I, and again, you know, one of the things that I know we really try to do in this book is really put a how-to to do some of these things. Because I've seen so many times where people just don't have the experience or maybe not even the power to, maybe they've got the ex experience, but how to articulate that maybe to their boss, their VP, their SVP, their CIO, their CTO, their CPO. But these things show up repeatedly. And I'll give you just a couple of examples. I think some of them we put in the book. Um, there was a company that I worked with, again, uh, private Fortune uh, 50 company. And as part of like a cost move, they said, you know, in Agile, we don't need any project managers. So we're going to get rid of all of them, except for this core team at the corporate location. So we're going to take them all out of the, the business units immediately because Agile's magic and you never need anybody to do any projects or coordinate anything. And so they had this team and um, these teams were, uh, quote, assigned to business units. So business units could say, hey, I'd like to have this resource, but there was no structural alignment. So they reported to somebody in, in kind of quote corporate. And so what would happen is the person at corporate would take people off those projects because somebody else was louder at a different business unit. 
So what happens? Again, you get what you designed for. So the business units, they had somebody that did this role. Now there's somebody at corporate that could come or go at any time. They had no visibility. So what did they do? They do what people naturally do. They created some new title called something else that's not project manager that did all of the exact same roles as before. And the inefficiency that the organization was trying to solve for, they created even more because now they had this central team that no one really trusted or did anything with, plus copies of all of that back in all of the business units versus, and this is that term we use, you know, again, I know it's a, it's a lot for those of us, maybe this might too heavy lifting, but you know, that term federated or direct, like who's your customer? So if they would have been clear that that central team lived to serve the business units and were federated to the business units leader. So who's the customer? Not that central leader. That central leader was designed to serve the business units. That structure would have given the company the savings they were looking for and not have created that, that duplicate. So again, super, super important. I just want to give one other example for the poor product marketing people that are almost in any company. I've seen this so many times is product marketing reports to marketing and then products frustrated with product marketing because they're not communicating it the way the product leader sees the vision. They're communicating it how the marketing team sees the vision. Or if product marketing reports to product, then they um, are then marketing teams really frustrated because they're not getting all the things that they need to share in the marketplace because it's going according to what product thinks is important. And in both cases, either one of those is simply wrong. This is a really good example is you have to decide where do you want to have the hard line report and you want to have a dotted line. So product marketing should always have two bosses. One that's their HR report, which is who they're tightest aligned to, but they've got two bosses. They also have either marketing or product. And when you do that, you not only set up the company for success, you set up your product marketing team for success. Otherwise, it's like whack-a-mole with them. So for if you're a product marketing, you know, or a CPO or, you know, a CMO, please make sure you have a federated team. Be nice to your product marketing members. That's absolutely great advice. And, you know, whenever you know, I've seen organizations that do that effectively, it's been successful. And when it's very clear when organizations aren't doing that successfully and they, the walls that get created and the, uh, you know, the siloed mentality that occurs when, when you do that. You know, Ken, this has been great. I really appreciate that. We've got a lot more that's in the book. We haven't even begun to talk about marketing strategies like, uh, you know, product-led growth, sales-led growth, et cetera, which we also talk about in the book. I'll save that for maybe a, 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 another episode um, or for people to buy the book and, uh, and, and read up on it. The book, again, is called Business Breakthrough 3.0. It's written by Lee Atchison and Ken Garadovich, and it's available on Amazon.com and almost any other place that business or technical books are available. It's available in a hardcover, softcover, uh, Kindle ebook version, as well as an Audible version on, on Audible.com and other audio book platforms. Uh, Thanks, Ken. Thank you very much for coming on the Modern Digital Business Podcast. And, you know, once again, it's been great working with you on this project, and I hope we'll work on future projects as well. Hey, Lee, if I could do just one more shout out to your audience. I know this is important to both of us is uh, 
if you take a read through the book, it helps you, helps your team, helps your team love their jobs more, helps your company move faster. You know, please send either one of us a note. Just makes us feel great. You know, one of the things we both try to do is just, you know, make the world and business just a little bit better. So send us a note and uh, thanks, Lee. Absolutely. And in the show notes, I'll make sure to have contact information, of course, for my normal contact information, but I'll also have Ken's contact information so you can reach out to him. And and Ken, you're you're available specifically for speaking engagements as well. Is that correct? What I really love doing is speaking at organizations and really helping, you know, companies take some of the principles that we, 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 we teach that we've learned to transform their organization. So if you've got a speaking opportunity to help your organization, you know, please reach out, love to talk. Ken, thank you so much for being on this episode. Enjoyed it, Lee. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to Modern Digital Business. This podcast exists because of the support of you, my listeners. If you enjoy what you hear, will you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or directly on our website at mdb.fm slash reviews. If you'd like to suggest a topic for an episode or you're interested in becoming a guest, please contact me directly by sending me a message at mdb.fm slash contact. And if you'd like to record a quick question or comment, click the microphone icon in the lower right-hand corner of our website. Your recording might be featured on a future episode. Make sure you get every new episode when they become available. Click subscribe in your favorite podcast player or check out our website at mdb.fm. If you want to learn more from me, then check out one of my books, courses, or articles by going to leeatchison.com. And all of these links are included in the show notes. Thank you for listening and welcome to the world of the modern digital business. of your peers have in common? They've all boosted their skill set and career prospects by taking one of my online courses. Go to mdb.fm slash courses. Join your 100,000 close friends and peers and expand your knowledge and expertise only at Atchison Academy.